You're listening to Where We Are, a weekend conversation on faith, politics, family, and culture, hosted by me, Michael Ware, and my wife, Melissa. We bring our wide-ranging experiences in politics, ministry, and nonprofit life to bear as we discuss the issues of the day. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about the seriousness of our politics and the unseriousness of so many of our politicians. You're listening to Where We Are. This is where we are. We are the where is I'm Michael. I'm Melissa. It's that time of year when the world falls in love. Every song you hear seems to say, Melissa. Uh, <laughs> what are you singing? It's the Carpenters. Oh, no. I am not a Carpenters guy, except yes, but you when it comes to it. Christmas time. I did it's, not grow up with it. It's Carpenter's time. It's Christmas time. It's hammer Christmas time. markets open this weekend. It does. They do. Yes. Yes. In Baltimore. In Baltimore a- and, and, and DC. in DC. We've never done the DC ones. The DC ones, meh. They don't look too traditional to me, but meh. <laughs> <laughs> you should run in the Iowa caucus, I think, um, with, with that take. Um no, but Baltimore has an amazing Christmas market. It does. It's very cute. One of the best I've seen in this country. And we have, we, we've we been around I the Rust Belt. I am something of a Christmas market connoisseur, so I know. Yeah. No, it's very good. You should run through Baltimore. It runs between now and I think like early January. Like it, yes. Like it runs for a long time. Uh, we are very happy to be with you. Um, I have recovered from sleep. Though, it's kind of like a, the book comes out in two and a half months, Melissa. Mm-hmm. I record the audio book for The Spirit of Our Politics on Monday and Tuesday of this mm-hmm. week. Not too bad for someone who spent much of his youth in speech therapy, I might add. <laughs> a big, big win for the language development program in the town of Tonawanda, New York. Shout out to them. Um this belongs to you, LDP. And, uh, you know, do, have I ever told you I went to the LDP? Uh, my language development was right next to our high school. Oh, wow, Michael. No, I've never heard that out of your mouth. It, that building doesn't exist anymore. It's now senior homes. I know, and your grandma lived there. Where my grandma lived. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Full circle, Michael. Full circle. Okay. I am glad that you got speech therapy and it works, though, because you're a great speaker now. Well, thanks. Zondervan thinks so. Yeah. I had to send them a little audio file so that they could make sure your that audition I... audition for your own words. Yeah, I had to audition to read my own book. <laughs> and I sent them an audio file. And they were like, this will do. So That'll do, pig. Uh, I, what I'm wondering is if um, I'm going to have other people asking me to read their books after they see just how I knock this out of the park i'm sure they will michael (laughs) uh you can read my book what's going on in your (laughs) what's your book on cat diplomacy you had that answer coming out of a holster 
Yes. Uh, Anyways, let's get into it. What's going on in your life? Oh, okay. Sorry. I'm always like, I'm always like, jump straight into it. Skip over my life. (laughs) Uh, I mean, our, our girls are just fighting a lot lately. So I'm, I'm, I'm very tapped out when it comes to motherhood right now. But, 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 but. The great thing is that our firstborn has her birthday this week. She has our very first kid birthday party tomorrow. Well, what will be today um, when this episode airs. And it's a baby Yoda birthday party. I created the invitations and she is so stoked for it. And I'm very excited for her. I'm going to make her do her baby Yoda impression at least three dozen times. Yes. Yeah, she has a bunch of her classmates coming and some of her other little friends coming, some cousins and things like that. So... I, it's just it's gonna be cute to see her surrounded by have a ton of children, a ton of four and five year olds in our house, a few two year olds too. Eh. Yeah, we thought we were just past uh, the time period where we had to worry about our house being a safety hazard for children, uh, but tomorrow will be Testing another those test waters. of that. Yeah, yeah fantastic. Um, maybe that will uh, lead us to uh, fix our deck. Um, but not in time for tomorrow. Good luck, kids. Yeah, um, <laughs> very exciting that our eldest is uh, is turning five. That feels like a milestone. It's a huge milestone. I can't believe it. I've been trying to process it, and my my heart won't let me. I know you're, but you're you're a big feelings man. Yeah. Okay. Um, speaking of big feelings, uh, yeah, a lot of people in Congress had them this week. We are getting very good at the transitions. This we is, really are. This is really Oh, it's stellar. only taken me about a year and a half. Yeah, I think this is episode 87, 88. It's 88, that, the 88. year we were born. <laughs> Don't age me in front in front of the, the, our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Do we think we have like a bunch of 17-year-olds listening to us? Well, no. I think we have a bunch of judgy 30-something. <laughs> <laughs> This one goes out to you. Uh, yeah, so I think there is so much happening in the news, and we lots of serious things. We talked a bit about what we wanted to focus on this episode, and I think this episode will be something of like a news smorgasbord. But the the through line of it is going to be. It has been a really, really serious couple of months, news-wise. And both the conduct and what gets so much of the attention not only doesn't reflect that, but it seems like the more serious our, our news gets the more infantile yeah. some of our public officials uh, and just the political culture generally is becoming. On the serious side, for the first time in over a year, President Biden met with uh, Xi Jinping yep. in California. Yeah, Silicon Valley on the side of the APEC meeting, the Asian Pacific Economic Cooperation meeting. They met for four hours, the longest. It's the first meeting that Biden's had with him since becoming president. It was a, that's a, four hours is a very long meeting for, for two leaders. 
Xi Jinping um, came in with much softer language. They immediately came to a deal on the chemicals that China produces around fentanyl. Um, they agreed to military-to-military communications that will help with a lot of miscommunications, especially as China has been ramping up its sort of belligerence in the South China Sea. They discussed things like Taiwan, and apparently she, you know, didn't completely soften his stance there, but said that they have no immediate aims with with what they call their territory. And so there were actually some victories, the fact that China, because China economically is not doing well at all, it's had a complete consumer confidence crisis. They have For had the a, first time in what, like decades, decades, the U.S. economy outperformed the Chinese yes. economy? Yes. They've had bankruptcies. They're having a housing crisis or property crisis, really. And so she is in a very... Um, uh, vulnerable place and so diplomacy has been opened back up and i mean the biden administration's been working on this for months they he had the secretary of state this past summer and then the national security advisor jake sullivan went in for a meeting um because things really broke down around pelosi going to taiwan the spy balloon the spy balloons as much as and you know i will say kind of hard not to make jokes about the spy balloon. I'll never but, not make jokes but, about the spy balloon. But balloons. that is an example of something that actually had very serious implications. And it was just memefied. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so we're at a really critical and interesting point in U.S.-China relations with China. They used to call their diplomacy and their diplomats wolf warriors. And that, that sort of moniker is kind of dying down because China is in a very vulnerable economic standpoint. I mean... Uh, Biden, with the measures that he took on semiconductors and chips being produced in the United States, has really hurt China economically. And so she came in saying, hey, can we can we calm? Can you guys calm yourselves on that one? We're losing out economically, whereas Biden, his whole point is like this is a national security issue because the Chinese military uses these things. But still, the fact that they kind of came in with a much sort of more vulnerable um, posture is huge for the United States because China has been a huge thorn in its side with Israel and Gaza going on. Um, you know, China is a very important factor besides Russia. Obviously, Ukraine is still going on um, and uh, is a long protracted war at this point. <sighs> I mean, just on the foreign policy and national security front, it, it's multiple fronts going on we have yeah, we I have mean, i mean just have a, famines genocides uh, elsewhere in the world like I, just a lot of stuff yeah i mean just to put the uh, put put not a bow on the but just to give listeners something to keep an eye on when it comes to u.s china relations taiwan holds elections in january and so american officials have been pretty clear that they're going to be watching very closely for interference from china and I think things can get frosty, more frosty, really quickly if that happens. If China limits its interference uh, and and attempts to influence the election in Taiwan, uh, then you could see some real momentum and thawing potentially in the U.S.-China relationship. It is interesting, you know, we're not in the 90s 
late 90s anymore, it, it, I was struck by just the open admission of competitiveness and um, a certain level of like uh, adversarialism, uh, sort of, sort of a we need to hold things together and not let things get out of hand. <laughs> but implicit in that is an admission like uh, that they're competing and that there there are attempts to undermine uh, the nations are attempting to undermine one another. Um, and so I, I was really struck by that. I, I read a I read a quote from uh, Z's opening remarks before they went into the summit on the morning five uh, uh, this past week that I thought was striking for its sort of sense of history and that sort of thing. So so that's U.S. China. As Melissa sort of alluded to, whether you look at Armenia and what's happening in Armenia. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Ukraine, I think what's on at the forefront of many uh, of our minds, Israel, Gaza. I mean, this has been a uh, a world-shaping couple of, couple of months in terms mm -hmm. of foreign policy. You look at the U.S., major... A significant administrative action from the Biden administration on AI. Yep. While Congress has been uh, uh, doing investigation and hearings around AI, uh, which I think the the Obama Foundation held a summit that was in large part on AI. President Obama, former President Obama, giving a major speech on AI. The the capacity of these technological developments to transform American life over the course of the next 10 years is becoming clearer and clearer. And that is something that a whole range of congressional committees, a whole range of policymakers, like it's going to be an all hands on deck policy uh, sort of yes. situation to figure out how we're uh, how we're going to respond uh, to these developments. You look at the fact that we didn't have a Speaker of the House for uh, for for three weeks. Now we do. Uh, and a continuing resolution was passed days before the deadline that doesn't solve the issue, but again, avoids government shutdown, gives Congress more time, hopefully, for something that's long-lasting, I think a, a fairly serious, you know, the most serious would be to pass a budget. But uh, Yes. But, um, uh, and, and to fund what you've committed to, to fund. Uh, but a pretty relatively serious process unfolded, and there wasn't a lot of drama in terms of how that was executed. It was a bipartisan vote. Um All that to say, a lot happening on the domestic on the domestic front as well, and so these last two months have been so significant for how. Well, and I'll just add right when we talk about the budget, we're talking about nutrition aid, 
we're talking about uh, there was a debate this week around the child tax credit and the support mm-hmm. families received. Um, so we're talking about policy changes that will affect hundreds of millions of people. <laughs> and yet, if if I asked folks, what do you know about what happened between U.S. and China this week? the vast majority would say no idea and i would venture well melissa what do you think most people saw out of uh out of the u.s china summit oh they definitely saw that um president biden in a um uh sorry in a press conference right after that forum meeting it was just biden it wasn't xi jinping with him calling he was asked a question where he was basically asked do you still think she is a is a dictator he says yes i think he's a dictator because previously this past summer biden called him a dictator um now what specifically so i think oh, that's right what so, specifically, so they had yeah. the cameras on secretary of state antony blinken sort of shuddering a little bit when biden said that and frankly i was like okay let me go watch the video i watched the video and I didn't read into his body language as much as other people are reading into it, but he, people were saying as, as if the the man like convulsed and like stood up and shouted, "Absolutely not, <laughs> but Mr. So President!" The, but so right, like I, to me, this is like a perfect the president of one of the world's great superpowers. Yes, referred to the leader of the world's other superpower as a dictator. And the cameras and the attention and the commentary is about whether Secretary of State, uh, you know, basically having body language readers on the Secretary of State. Um, And what I saw was most of it was devoid of any actual substantive well why might the Secretary of State not have wanted that? Nobody's answering that question. and A, I don't think that should be where the focus is. But, yes. but B, if you wanted to focus there, you could at least use it as an opening to have a somewhat edifying conversation about... This is why it's not good for the United States to call him a dictator after or a at least, like that. Or at least or that or some, people, some people think that Biden shouldn't have done that because, we're, because we just reestablished communicate, military yeah. communications with, with the country. But... but this is like what what our media and our political culture does, which is it points somewhere. And then even if you think it's a silly thing to point at, you're arguing about why it's silly to point there, as opposed to the fact that you you had a truly historic meeting that had uh, several substantive agreements yes. come out of it. And, and I'm... I can't tell you the number of times I've seen that stupid video of yeah. Blinken like moving his eyelids and like existing and, in the and world, folks. Um, so, 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 so that that's one example. I think another example is uh, well, this has just not been a banner week for Congress. <laughs> um, we we saw over the last, you know, I think. Um, We've seen members of Congress sh- shouting uh, at each other, calling each other Smurfs, and 
bringing people's family members into a committee, uh, a committee debate. Uh, we saw a United States senator from Oklahoma challenge a congressional, uh, someone giving congressional testimony to a fight where Bernie Sanders of all people had to had to step in and remind the senator from Oklahoma that he is in fact a United States senator and probably shouldn't be uh, 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 challenging people uh, to fights in the middle of a Senate hearing. Uh, we had Tim Burchett of Tennessee, congressman, accusing former Speaker McCarthy of elbowing him in a hallway, which is the most, I don't know if it happened, don't know if it didn't happen, whatever, it sounds like an episode of Saved by the Bell. Like it sounds like what happens in a, in a, in a middle school hallway, not yes. the halls of Congress. And so it's just disorienting to the average American to see headlines saying that there are huge threats, huge developments, AI, China, Israel, Gaza, Russia, Ukraine, that could transform their way of life. And then they look to DC and whether it's because it's the dominant behavior, which I don't think it is, you know, I, 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 I think there are a lot of wonderful people working on the Hill. There are a lot of wonderful people in Congress. Um, but what gets the attention, what gets the headlines, um, is this sort of adolescent behavior. Uh, and I think the question I have and that I've had, that I, I, I always ask myself is, to what extent is behavior like this a result of the immaturity of the, of the people in these leadership positions, whether it's elected office, journalism, etc., or those leaders' determination of what the American people themselves want or demand or uh, are, are seeking from them. Uh, I increasingly think it's, it's a vicious cycle of both. <laughs> The, 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 the worse our leader's behavior uh, gets, the more it caters to the worst impulses of basically consumers, um, then the lower the bar goes next time. Um, but yeah, M Melissa, what, what thoughts do you have? Do you know what would be so interesting, especially after uh, the, the, the challenge to the fight, that, that whole scene I don't even know what to call it in in, in the Senate this week 
with uh, Senator Bernie Sanders coming in and mediate and becoming a mediator is I would love if somebody just went and investigated with those two congressional offices and said, hey, how many letters, calls, emails, carrier pigeons have you received after that as you know, saying uh, that they didn't like what went down or they didn't like the behavior? Do they, you know, are there any slaps on the wrist from their constituents, let alone like the American people writ large? I would love to know constituency response, resp- um, uh, how, how they respond in situations like this. Like that kind of investigation would be interesting to me because, I d- Michael, I know in your book, in quite a few areas and in general, you've been thinking about this a lot, about the American public and what it wants out of its politics um, and how politicians respond to that and then this and I, you know you call it a vicious cycle and then what sort of feeds into that and vice versa that's my first reaction is how much are these politicians who are just acting so immaturely at in such serious times and when people around the world are in various crises and in Washington folks are challenging each other to fights um what people actually really think. This is a time for polling. This is a time for an investigation. I want to know. Yeah. Well, I mentioned that there are members of Congress who are doing work and and their staff members are, uh, there are many who take their jobs seriously. I think the vast, vast majority, but there are increasingly fewer of these serious members of Congress. The Punchbowl News put together, uh, uh, did some outreach to retiring uh, House members on their motivations to retire from office. Here, here are some of the uh, quotes and reactions. It's uh, from Congressman Earl Blumenauer of Oregon. Uh, it's insane, and it adds no value to my life, referring to being a member of Congress. The things I care about, I can do better not here. Um, a congressman, Ken Buck, uh, said, it's stupid, you know, impeach that person, censure that person. It's all political. So members can go raise money and talk tough back home. I mean, so important. Like Ken Buck, he's no like squish. He's no sort of like, um, he's not exactly... You know, he's not like Charlie Dent, uh, and I like Charlie Dent, uh, former congressman from Pennsylvania, but he's he's not someone who's constantly appealing to bipartisanship and and civility and these kinds of things. Ken Buck is a Freedom Caucus member, and yet on his way out, you know, he's saying this is all just so stupid. And we hear that from, I mean, this is, what Speaker McCarthy was was saying. This is what we've heard from Boehner and Paul Ryan and so many uh, former members of Congress. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's uh, and there's know, a, deeply unfortunate. And there's a certain point where you know you sit and you think about this with these various members now more often than ever. I mean. Uh, who was it? The first representative, um, Blumenthal? Blumenauer. Blumenauer, yeah. sorry. Um, who has been there since 1996. So he's seen a lot. Yeah. Um, and so it's just not a good sign that somebody from 1996 is saying, it's actually really bad right now. 
um, and things are this bad for me to leave and I can do better elsewhere. Um, is that each of these representatives or senators, whomever it is that's retiring in it, are saying these things, their constituency is listening. Again, it goes down to like the right. local level. Because when those kinds of announcements are made, they make the local news, and local news is, like TV, local news is still extremely popular. Even amongst Gen Z and millennials, the numbers are still very high. And so folks in various areas around the country are hearing these messages from their elected leaders. And the message that they're hearing is that this type of public service is useless. It's stupid. Um, it doesn't matter. Nothing gets done. It's just fighting. And in some cases, that uh, work can be done elsewhere. When uh, obviously, work can be done elsewhere. There's plenty of good that be done that can be done at local, state level, government, nonprofits, service sector, private, public private partnerships. But obviously, the federal government is a huge deal into how our society operates, and so it doesn't look good, Michael. No, 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 no. And uh, you know, I sound like a broken record here, but uh, until we stop rewarding it. And until we stop saying things like, well, yeah, I wish I wish this politician was, uh, you know, more mature. But, you know, at least they're on the right side or these kinds of things that downplay the cultural output of these people. Um Be, be, because they might vote the right way. No, we need to actually start counting contribution to our political culture as as part of how we judge and how we evaluate the, the, the both elected officials, but again, also folks in other positions of responsibility, journalism, civic leadership of all kinds. So we try to play our part here of pointing your attention to the the real human consequences of political decision uh, decision making without making more of politics than it should be and certainly not playing into the sort of um, uh, uh, politics as uh, entertainment that we uh, so often see Unless Melissa has a joke to make, and then we'll we'll break the rules for that. I really don't have any jokes. <laughs> hey, Melissa, anything you wanna you wanna add? No, I, <laughs> I, if you yourself as a listener, I know that often with with these sorts of things, these like bigger topics or more um, existential topics, that it's sometimes it's hard to be like, hold up a second, is there anything that I can do? And, you know, with your local Congress people, um, especially if they are doing something that you really support or if not just about like the policy or like the 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 every single line of like a piece of policy, but the politics, like the way they conduct themselves, the posture, the things like that. If they're doing anything that you don't like or you think is actually raising the temperature or you think is turning politics into entertainment is you know corroding something then contact them um tell them that um it is good that they hear from you and hear from your voice not just on the you know who's winning or losing or like uh, 
it, it's good for them to hear that you don't like that they're challenging somebody to a fight, et cetera, et cetera. So if, if for, for those of you out there who I know who think in that way of a, what can I do about something like this? Or, you know, this concerns me as well. And how can I help that? That's, that's one way you can help. Yeah. All right, folks, that's all we have for this week's episode of where we are. Hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I want to hear what you're cooking. Uh, and Ooh, so yes. send us photos, send us recipes. I like dessert photos in particular. Let me know your desserts. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just very direct to Melissa. So <laughs> I always am. Uh, and kind of demanding, uh, always. Hello. <laughs> and, uh, we'll be back after Thanksgiving for another episode of where we are. Thanks for listening. Bye.